It was like Thunderdome. Two teams entered and one remained. And yet all of us were losers. So that's Thursday Night Football recapped. Welcome to And The Kick Is Good. Tucker, it will be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! Time has expired. Justin Tucker... Hello, and welcome to episode 108 of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. My name's Tom, I'm your host, and I'm joined, as usual, by Brad and Colm. Say hello, guys. Guys, hello. Uh, All right, guys. It's the week... Five recap podcast uh, from which we pretty much had the worst week of football so far. I, I feel pretty confident in saying that. So um, enjoy the next hour in a bit as we go over some of the worst football teams I can remember seeing for a very long time, at least in the quantity that they are. Um, however, before we begin that, uh, any vegetation to speak of or any European travels to speak of, Brad? Uh, no European travels for me, but definitely some for my football team, which made this week somewhat enjoyable. What about yourself, Colin? I, th- I thought you were talking about Newcastle. You're obviously talking <laughs> about the Giants. Yes, yes, I am talking about the Giants. Newcastle, well, they celebrated a year of the Questionable thing. ownership, uh, yes. Yeah, uh, uh, we looked good on the weekend, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Colin? Yes. Some European travel for my Manchester United. They went out to Nicosia this week to take on uh, a Cypriotic team in the Europa League. The score, I believe, was 3-2. Goals coming from Ronaldo, uh, Anthony, I believe. Latest football scores. Morning paper. Morning star. Paper mister. Uh, Sweet merciful gods of the drop. Yeah. (laughs) In the... in a change of how we're going to recap games, Brad has sprung upon us uh, 20 minutes before the start of recording. Um, we are now going to just go in chronological order of how the games went, which means, yes, we are going to start with that Thursday night football game. Um, there have been some bad ones so far this season. This one took the biscuit, the tea, the hot water, the mug, and everything else possible. Um, the Colts ended up winning it 12-9 to over the De- Denver Broncos. Um, you may think, that's a weird scoreline. Nope, just field goals. Just all the field goals all of the time, including the one in overtime to win it for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, As a podcast that is called And The Kick Is Good, you think we would celebrate <laughs> such scoring uh, potential, you know, sort of scoring uh, abilities. However, <laughs> the content between the kicks was uh, not great. No, and and I think I figured out uh, what it is about these two teams that make them so shit to watch. And it's that they are fine, and yet neither of them has any star power, which we thought these two teams kind of had in abundance. Um, Shaquille Leonard missed this game, I believe, um, and there's just no edge threat from the Colts whatsoever. The Broncos we thought were going to be a different beast on defense, um, adding a couple of players and 
and being a really solid team on the back end, but that hasn't really come alive. Javante Williams, God rest his soul, went down injured in this game, um, which has led to Brad entering 14 days of mourning. Um, no, he didn't. He went down the week before. Javante yeah. Williams? Did he? Yes. Yes. No. yes. Don't you remember? Oh, of course he did. Specifically Mike, Mike crossing Boone, out yeah. Max Crosby, yeah. your beloved and my now public enemy number one. <laughs> um, but but that, that sort of brings me back to what I was going to mention and what you cannot help but mention when you talk about these two teams is that just the quarterback play is not good enough. Um, they combined for 47 completions off of 80 attempts and yet managed just over 500 yards between the two of them. Obviously no touchdowns, but two picks each. Sacked a combined 10 times. Neither of these two offensive lines looked good. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Garrett Bowles got injured for the season in this one. Yes. That he... that wasn't last week, okay. <laughs> no, I think it was his, was it his fibia or broken leg. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Colts are beginning to become that revolving door offensive line. Um, but you, you watch this game, and if it wasn't a little two-yard dump-off and it wasn't a run up the middle, neither of these two teams could gain yards. And yet, I'm going to keep coming away from this Denver Broncos team saying the same thing, which is they are close to being good. It was It was just every single drive would end in either a pick or a throw that is just off the mark and you you look at Russell Wilson historically and you go surely he can write this shit and then you look at the five weeks of tape he's put so far this year and you go well I I, you know I I have to take what's in front of me I, I can't I can't hold on to Russell Wilson four years ago over five weeks of what I'm seeing from Russell Wilson and it is every game multiple throws that he is just flat out missing he's missing linebackers who are just lurking in zones and throwing it straight at them and looks completely devoid of any sort of ability to withstand pressure and make a good throw um on the other side matt ryan you know when when college quarterbacks come out and we go can they throw the deep out Matt Ryan can no longer throw the deep out, and that is a <laughs> real fucking worry. At least two or three occasions in this second half, he's tried to make that throw, and it's gone like one hop. And it's just like he is he is as fried as Roethlisberger was last year, and I feel pretty confident in saying that. Yeah, um, I guess I the difference there is... That, to back you up on that, he has okay. his air yards over uh, getting to 20 yards plus is the lowest in the league at 7.2%. And only three of them have made that made it that far uh, into catches, and they were all by Alec Pierce. So if if you are more than fifteen yards away from the line of scrimmage or so, just keep an eye on Alec Pierce because that's probably the only receiver Matt Ryan can seemingly find. Um, yes, yeah, so, so the Colts moved to two, two, and one somehow, having beaten the preseason you know darlings of both the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. I want them to go. What would it be? Four, fourteen, and. One no, that's not math at all. Four twelve and one. Um, yeah, if we have having... to watch nineteen games of the Colts, Tom. I'm blaming <laughs> specifically on you. Um, but I want them to beat every single team in the AFC West and lose to everybody else other than the Texans, who they tie with. Like that's a narrative I can get behind. Um, otherwise, that team looks like it's struggling. As I've said, I still have some sort of faith that the Broncos can write this ship, but that is 
heart well overhead at this point. Yeah. What's been incredible for it's me like... about these Broncos is that obviously, like, like you said, big favourites coming in, new owner, uh, big contract with uh, Russell Wilson coming in, you know, huge splashy signing. They put him on um, Sunday Night Football against the 49ers and we have that god-awful punt fest. They put him on Thursday Night Football against the Colts and we get that garbage offence. This week they're playing Monday Night Football um, yeah. and I'm not expecting much better from them. It, it does happen each season though, isn't it? Yeah, we expect the team to be good and they're not. The, like, the most... imagine, was it the Jags? Post-AFC Championship Jags were in like, <laughs> the Jags could be good, we're going to put them on everything. And then they were shit, and we all went. The, the most fuck. points the Broncos have put up in a game this season is twenty-three. They have put up single. They've put up ten or fewer points in three of their five games so far this season. That's not true. I've just told a complete lie. Um, they actually in those two games. I was reading the opposition score. I'll try again, shall I? Um, their highest score this season is twenty-three points in a loss. Their other points are 16, 16, 11, and 9. Like, they have not broken 20 other than to lose. It, it, it has just been appalling. In the most offensive way I can say say this, these, these both of these two teams are playing like the 2021 New York Giants. <laughs> but, they, but the Broncos have a first-year head coach who was supposed to be good at offense. And that's a big worry. And um, yeah. I don't know if you mentioned it, Tom, as well. Russell Wilson reportedly dealing with a partially torn lat in his right shoulder. I saw there was a shoulder injury. I didn't see the which, details. But they've come out and said that they expect him to play anyway. Yeah. Credit to Matt Berry, of all people. Oh, who, yeah. After this game, on Friday, on Friday's show, he called out specifically and said, I expect to see you probably in the next coming days a news report comes out about Wilson's playing through a bad shoulder and he's gritting it out and toughing it out. And like fucking clockwork, the next day, it's like, yeah, sources say that Russell Wilson's dealing with this partially torn lat near his right shoulder. And I was just like, I don't know whether he had an inside source and I don't know whether like Matt Berry and Pete Carroll, and there's a, a, I don't know if there's some sort of like... <laughs> Russell Wilson don't let him cook Illuminati but they just seem all hellbent on being like fuck Russell Wilson <laughs> you know yeah. roll him out to the left make sure he can't throw uh, he's got a bad shoulder it, I, I, I'm interested to see by like week yeah. 12 what was wrong with Wilson now yeah so a couple things one the amount of like I appreciate Thursday Night Football there's no games for a couple days so everyone just talks about Thursday Night Football but the amount of Russell Wilson like personal slander I've seen yeah, uh, after that first night football it. game has been brutal. Like even um, what's his name, Kyle Brandt on you know the NFL yeah. Networks Good Morning Football was calling him out as a bad person. Well, calling really him out for being like fake and yeah, everything. Yeah, there's which a was just lot remarkable. of that. Yeah, I mean, I think. But the thing is, I think I think the reason there is a lot of it is because once you see it, it's very difficult not to see it. Mm. Like he, yeah. he doesn't. He, do, he never has come across as a genuine person, has he? Yeah, you know, he'll, he'll hit the slogans. You don't think he's his real personality is Mister Unlimited? <laughs> <laughs> and and just to top it, like the subway advert he did a couple of weeks ago that kind of hit the airs and things like that. Like 
Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there. Let's just say that. Like, I, I can't imagine he's going to be in studio for very long after his playing career. I, I just want to make one final point, and that is, as you've mentioned, they play on Monday Night Football at the Chargers, and I still can't get away from the fact that I think this team could win that game. <laughs> I cannot get off this Denver Broncos bandwagon. We'll get I, just, we'll I think get they're into, too good. No, no, no. That's not a Denver Broncos bandwagon. That is <laughs> fuck Brandon Staley, and we'll it, come back to that. We'll put a put a nice little pin in that one. Maybe we'll it's both. To... Okay, let's, let's let's say it's both. Anyway, yes. Moving. Colin, you had next up in the schedule was Sunday morning football for the Americans, and for us, the London game. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, New York Giants facing the Green Bay Packers, technically the home team. Tell us how this yeah. one went. I mean, so last week I complained that the London games weren't shown on ITV, and then this week I switched on to Game Pass after the first quarter because Jack Crawford is so bad at colour commentary. <laughs> um, <laughs> please keep him out of the commentary box forever. <laughs> it was garbage. Um, yeah, this game was very much just about the, the it was a statement game for the Giants uh, they looked solid so far this year and they were coming up against those perennial playoffs you know like book, bookmaker favourites consistently kind of team and this was a chance to prove that they were real and for, you know for the most part they were Saquon is finally the Saquon we've all wanted him to be and um, you know Daniel Jones has finally become the game maker or you know the bus driver but Brad dreamed he'd be ever since he was taken six overall. Um, and now he's making decent throws and using his limited athleticism limitedly. Um, you know, that is all praise in, uh, you know, in, in tribute to what the Giants did, knocking over the Packers. Um, and as much praise as I can give the Giants, uh, you know, this, <laughs> this game is also a reflection on how far the Packers have fallen. Um, Cobb is the only reliable thing Rogers has in the passing game. He is too old to be too reliable for too long, and he isn't getting enough support. Rogers isn't getting enough support from his offensive line, and the Packers' defense is much less formidable than it they were in past years. I forgot I'd watched the Packers the week before, and when I was doing my write-up, I was like, "Oh yes, I said all of this very recently. I've got to stop picking <laughs> them in the game picks." Um, shout out to Dayball uh, for doing some funky shit in the red zone. This was a good Giants win. Um, Brad, I know you must be feeling elated and considering that these, this team is actually pretty genuine now, right? So there's a few things. First of all, uh, underselling Funky, a double rever- tight end reverse is a sensational play call and bullshit and should have never worked. That was great. If Daniel Jones is a bus driver... Is that rider, just like a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of wildcat as well, right? Yeah, I think we realised oh yeah, we this worked last week and hell, no one yeah. else is doing it so let's sprinkle it in every now and again. Um, at some point this season, Saquon Barkley will actually throw the ball to Daniel Jones <laughs> out wide. It will happen. Um, if Daniel Jones is a bus driver, then he is Otto from The Simpsons in how he's getting this done. He is like the, the best bus driver that you can ask for. Uh, he is currently playing at a level where I go, well, a two year deal wouldn't be so bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, talk yourself into it. Climb back into the bed. Sorry, Like, his first four years was just like a ton of mistakes being made, right? Like, boneheaded decisions, all that. That's come down massively. Yeah, I don't know. 
what it is. I don't know whether it's coaching. I don't know whether he just has like a career amount of mistakes that he can make and he just decided to speed run through them in the first four <laughs> years. But, I mean, I will say, I do think it is coaching overall, right? And De- Brian DeBow and Mike Kafka deserve so much credit for, for this Giants team being 4-1, and one, a team who before the season, I said, needs to just take their medicine and ride through the year, and now we're looking at it going, we could be in the playoffs, like we've just knocked off the Packers and yeah, the Packers aren't the Packers everyone expected them to be, but still, it's a big win as you said, and I think, I think it's the ball, and I think we saw this with Josh Allen where Josh Allen his first few years were a lot stronger than Daniel Jones, for sure. But, you know, there were still a few issues there. And then Brian DeBoe comes in and it's like, or DeBoe comes in and it's, you know, oh, okay, Josh Allen is now a perennial MVP candidate. I don't think Daniel Jones will get there, but you can see in him now everything the Giants wanted when they drafted him. It's just taken a while to get there. Um, and, yeah. and, I mean, full credit, like, he is making plays when we have... Uh, what three quarters of an NFL receiver uh, currently lining, <laughs> lining up for us? Uh, Marcus Johnson uh, led our snap count at receiver, uh, and an O line which has a, a really a bright, shining star in Andrew Thomas, and then a lot of room to grow ev- everywhere else. So, uh, yeah, th- if it wasn't for the fact that I mean, slight spoilers, the Eagles and the Cowboys are 5 and over 4 and one as well. Like, I would be so much happier with this position, but we're 4-1. and one. Everyone wants to tell us we're the worst 4-1 team ever, but we are 4-1, and one, so fuck you. Okay, and you have three weeks until you buy, and you're going to be 4-4 four and four at your buy, mate. And if you'd have bought you, you, you play the, the Ravens, Tom, you go at, to, at Jacksonville and at Seattle, and I think all three of those teams beat you. Then you've got Texans and the Lions, which I think right now are push games. Like this, this is the most flagrant case of like not even jumping on the back of a like a quick horse. This is just oh, could could we possibly be good? And this is how you end up with like a fourteenth overall pick. You've won some games that you shouldn't really have, and like that's that's just going to see you into a later first round pick. Like I get it; it's nice to have a team that wins hey. after half a decade of shit. But like you, you don't actually want to win yet. You really don't want to win with this team how it is right now. I would take four teams because you know which standout rookie wide receiver uh, coming into the next draft is currently injured and therefore might see his stock just drop enough. Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I will, <laughs> I will be so happy when we draft him in the fourteenth with the fourteenth pick. I don't care. Yep, and he will have now. he will have seven can... receptions for two for seventy six yards <laughs> because Daniel Jones is still your quarterback. We have been shit for so long, Tom. I'm taking the fact that we're winning these games. Okay, it's something to look forward to. Unlike the Steelers, uh... <laughs> I'll, I'll say last point on this. I can see the Giants playing uh, sneaking the wild card spot and playing January football. Mm-hmm. Not Thank well. I can see him doing it. <laughs> Colm, you had the next game on the list: Pittsburgh at the Bills. Uh, tell us why Tom is so dour and sad and <laughs> about this season. Well, that's because Kenny Pickett's debut proved one thing: 
which is there are far more things going wrong with the Steelers than just to play at quarterback. Um, <laughs> Pickett in his debut was fine, but not exactly inspiring, unless you count the two bench clearers he managed to cause when he took some ch- uh, cheap shots and then he started throwing his tiny, tiny hands. Um, <laughs> the Bills got up early and just wouldn't relent during the first half. Uh, Gabe Davis kept getting behind the defense and is apparently far, far quicker than Levi Wallace. The crazy thing is that the Bills probably left about 20 points on the field at the end of the day. Uh, the Steelers' defense got two takeaways, and yet we're still just straight garbage throughout. Um, I don't know if Allen was ever pressured. He certainly was never sacked, and I'm pretty I sure... I think he was pressured sure. once. He was. He had one QB hit on him, and it was by Minka Fitzpatrick on the fourth, on the third play from scrimmage. And which one was that, Colin? That was the first uh, Gabriel Davis long touchdown. <laughs> sure. Either way, um, you know, <laughs> they were certainly not doing much up front. And I'm pretty sure I've taken shits that could do a better job of covering the field than Levi Wallace did in this game. <laughs> For Pickett's part, he was okay. Not great. But he's a rookie going against one of the best defenses in the league. There is a serious question as to why on earth this was the game to give him his first start and not the Jets last week, considering how uninspiring Mitch Trubisky had been up to that point. Uh, and there are further questions to be asked as to why Tomlin kept them in when the team were 40, 35 points down in the fourth quarter um, and just exposing him to injury and cheap shots like the one he did get from the Bills at the very end of the game there. We knew this would be a game where the Steelers would struggle to be um, you know, competitive, but it was quite alarming just how outclassed they were throughout this game. Obviously, Tom, you watched this. Um I haven't what watched was your it. Your reaction? I have. I haven't watched it, mate. I've I've seen what they oh. showed on Red Zone. I I refused. I knew this would be a shit show. It was a shit show. Um, I I think to, to answer your why was Pickett left in there question? Um, because what message do you send by benching him? Like at this point, you've gone to <laughs> no, him. But, but we don't play. We don't expose our starters when we're down thirty-five points in the fourth quarter. Meh. But but. Like, why not? It's all a learning curve. Like, he has to get as many snaps between now and the end of the season. And I don't think taking him out for, like, a quarter, let's be honest. I mean, they could have benched him for the entire second half. Um, but, like, I'd, what and what would you do then? Go back to Mitch? Like, what, is, what does that do for him? The, Deontay Johnson's comment, uh, comments today or maybe yesterday are fucking hilarious. Talking about when, when Mitch... Uh, when when Pickett would throw an interception like it was my job to go up to him and like uh, keep you know make sure his head was held high and keep make sure he keeps focus and I'm like haven't two picks in the last three weeks come off your hands <laughs> like who goes up to you and tells you to keep your head up but that's a funny statement it's not as funny as the statement where he said um, for the fans criticizing us why don't they come down and play this game instead Yes, yeah, yeah. It's 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 all getting. You know, all those years ago, you claimed that the, the locker room was becoming toxic. Yes. Yeah. Now, now is like this. This is when you can levy it because, yeah, it's it's not a good situation there. There's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a ping pong table in that locker room right now. Tomlin <laughs> needs to get rid of it ASAP. Yeah, yeah. If there is one, he needs to take it out, and if there isn't one, he needs to put it in. I agree. Um, um, Tom, question for you then. Yes. Uh, should there be less media talk and more TikTok talk? from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, imagine if they just did TikTok dances on logos, maybe they could win a fucking game. Um, <laughs> I will say, yeah. to your point about the, the red zone as well, the, my favourite part of watching this game was if there's a black, you know, so there's like a media blackout game, 
Red Zone will usually feature it for like the first quarter, first half. And by about midway through the second, Scott Hansen was just like, yeah, let's go somewhere else. Yeah. Let's get it like, yeah, guys, we know there's a Bills touchdown. Let's move on. Like, it was, it yeah. was very sad. This was, this was, I mean, it was the best play from the Steelers all day was when the Bills muffed the opening kickoff. <laughs> that was the most positive the play yeah. they had all day, um, and and that's that's difficult to do. That's really difficult. Um, d- so there were a lot of people after last week. There were a lot of people looking at the Slater games they had before their bye, which was the Bills, the Bucks, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. Congrats <laughs> like, to those teams for their wins, right? Like, and, and so we knew this game was a loss. Next week, the Bucks have not played nearly as well as they did two years ago, and like they are definitely not the same team. If I had to pick one of those four teams, even though the Dolphins might be starting a seventh round rookie, I think I would still pick this week as the week they could win something. But they would need to basically treble everything that they did on Sunday, by all accounts, Ooh, to get put up nine points. <laughs> yes, 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 indeed, very much so. That would um, require Boswell making all his field goal attempts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Mike Tomlin, I mean, geez, some, some of the comments today talking about, um, he was asked, does he still have confidence in Matt Canada? Uh, he said, I still have confidence, but confidence doesn't matter at this point. It's about what's on tape. And it's like, oh, okay, so you're just going to bury that dude. <laughs> um, it was but yeah. So something I was I thinking about you... last week, and I'm thinking about it even more this week, is Tomlin has picked his own coordinators throughout his time as head coach, I'm assuming. I've never heard of anyone no, not sure. being allowed to sit. I mean, his, the, the... his coordinators have been getting progressively worse, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would argue that the, the switch from... So there was a switch from... Uh, Bruce Arians to Todd Haley in an attempt to keep Ben upright and I think that was probably actually a positive move and then the the there was a bit of a media storm about Haley and Ben falling out and then that's when they went to Randy Feetner who was like the the QB coach so you could and, and Arians loved you know Arians and Roethlisberger loved each other as well, so you could argue that side of the ball, yeah. And, but then it came out last year that that since LeBeau, the defense has generally just been Tomlin's, regardless. So I don't know that there's a there's a lot of questions there. Um, but like they they could lose every game from now until the end of the season, and just to get ahead of it, I like I'm not calling for Tomlin's head. I, I don't think this is on him. I just think like there are a lot of fucking injuries on that team right now. And they'll go into a week with a lot of injuries and then they'll suffer a lot of injuries. And it's obvious that the team isn't that good, like to begin with. And yeah, they are now 0-8 without TJ Watt. <laughs> and he's he's now not expected until after the bye. So that's positive. Also, there's there... consolation to you, Tom. Cool. I yep. think you would have lost this game with TJ Watt recovering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might be right there. Um, Steelers are now second in the draft order behind only Carolina, who will almost certainly take a quarterback. Um, I don't actually know if I want... Like, obviously, I've, I don't think I've ever seen the Steelers pick higher than 16th going into a draft. They traded up to 10th for Devin Bush. What a trade, by the way. Um, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet. I don't know if I'm ready for a pre-draft process where the Steelers are like high, you know, a high conversation team. Um, that 
yeah, that, that feels like a world I'm not ready to live in. But anyway, <laughs> yes, you can take a break now, Colm, if you wish. Yes, Colm, cool. we'll throw it over to you for Los Angeles at the Cleveland Browns. The Los Angeles Chargers managed to outcharger themselves and outbrowns the Browns by winning 30 to 28 in a back and forth. Smash Mouth football is the future of the NFL. Insane game that featured over 450 yards of rushing offense and yet also featured Justin Herbert. Jacoby Brissett, for pretty much 90% of the game, actually managed to hang with Justin Herbert through kind of throw for throw with him and then obliterated himself at other times. Um, David Njoku was again the leading receiver for Cleveland, but the large talking point at the end of this game um, was how the Chargers decided not to punt, not to do anything else with not long left at the clock. I'm not actually sure what the um, what the time on the clock was when they refused to do anything. Um, there was one thirty-four left on the clock, and they were at their own 46 on 4th and 1, and Justin Herbert tried to throw rather than run the ball, which I've just said they were doing fucking insanely well all day, and give the ball back to the Browns. The Browns managed to go 10 yards in 6 plays, taking a minute off the clock, the Cleveland Browns, ladies and gentlemen, and then missed the field goal, which would have put them in front. Um, now, they, they <laughs> the Chargers would have had 11 seconds left on the game, but like what that really would have done probably nothing um, this had Chargers injured players tweeting out thank god they make that kick Keenan Allen um, but this is a game that from how it was managed the Chargers shouldn't have won and we have said that far too often in the Brandon Staley era um, I didn't know who I wanted to win this game because I don't want the Browns to be competitive or in a playoff hunt position when Watson comes back, and I'm pretty sure that's a sentiment mirrored by everyone on this podcast. But yet again, it feels like Brandon Staley is holding back this Chargers team who have an all-world quarterback, weapons all over the shop, and a defense that should be extremely good and yet continuously plays down to its competition. Tom, I'm convinced, will never be happy until Anthony Lynn is back in charge of this <laughs> <laughs> Until Donald yeah. Parham's catching fades at the third attempt in the end zone. Yeah, the, the one man that could have made goal line fades the tight ends work is Justin Herbert. We just never got to see them together. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Oh, boy. Uh, shall we move on? I don't think there's yeah. anything more to say about these two teams. They are two NFL teams. Uh, that aren't bad but eh, maybe aren't great um tom do you want to take us through maybe one one and a half maybe even one and a quarter nfl teams chicago at the minnesota vikings well you should definitely mention the half because in the first half the vikings were unreal 
Um, I, I think Cousins misplaced like five passes in, in the first half. Justin Jefferson was on like 150 receiving yards at the half. Well, actually, he finished with 154, so that's probably not true. Maybe it was about 120, but it was something fucking ridiculous. Um, the Bears had absolutely no answer for the running game, the passing game, the kick return game, the defense. <laughs> the, the, like It didn't matter what the Vikings did. The Bears didn't have a clue what to do with it. And then the second half happened. And, okay, the Bears put up 10 points in the first half and and 12 in the second. But they looked like a completely different team. Um, The Vikings end up winning this one, 29-22. And there are large-scale conversations that need to happen on both of these football teams. For the Bears, why the fuck can this not happen for a full 60 minutes? Or even really take three quarters at this point. Because the Bears have looked terrible. And yet Justin Fields in this one finished 15 of 21 for 208 yards and a touchdown. Which looks much more like an Alex Smith uh, passing line than it does what you drafted Justin Fields for. But that is an insane upgrade over the first month of the season. David Montgomery came back and struggled to get anything going on the ground. But they spread the ball out really well and Cole Komet had 45 receiving yards which I think for Column is a win um, <laughs> d- yeah and then the Vikings just have to ask themselves what happened in the second half they really couldn't move the ball they struggled to do basically anything with it and the way this ended was the Bears were driving looking like they were going to get into um, into a field position where they could at least threaten to score the 7 points they needed um, and the wide receiver was fighting to get more yards and he was stripped from behind by the Vikings defender who ran the ball back like 5-10 yards and then realised he just had to lay on the ground and they would win the game. Um, The second most interesting part of this game was this commentary call that I listened to four or five times, took a note of on the night and I still don't understand the point that the commentator was trying to make. Is a guy will get 8-10 inches, 10, you know, 6-3, whatever it is. And that kind of explains this game. It's just a bunch of numbers and a bunch of guys kind of going, yeah, we're sort of in the NFL. And that's just about as good as it being gets. Dudes. Yeah. <laughs> but having said that, this again, and I think we're going to say this every time until they lose one of these, this is another one of those games that the Vikings managed to get a win from that if they finish on 11-12 wins will be the difference between them winning the North and them getting a wildcard game. Yeah. yeah their, their, their defense looks like it's taken a step back over the last couple of weeks, which is unfortunate because that was seeming to be the part that they you know they could balance out and carry them. But Well, they're 4-1 and one, and they play the Dolphins, the Cards and the Commanders. Like, you have to be 2-1 and one coming out of that stretch, but realistically, you want to be 3-0, three, three and oh, which would make them 7-1. and one. And, and you've still got to play some bad teams like the Colts, the Bears again, the Giants. You know, all these bad hey, teams. They don't even play the Giants this year. Do yeah, they do. No, no, yeah. Week, yeah. week uh, 16. Sorry. So far away. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that gets flexed to a Monday night and then I can <laughs> revel in a free win. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll cover that more next week when we go over contender or pretender again slight you know look into the future as to what comes next week as we get to a third of the way through the season uh column anything to add on the bears the vikings anything that you may have seen 
wanted to point out? Only Valentine these... the Bears to be a very sad team. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a man that watched the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. <laughs> I did. Uh, right, uh, now it's time for me to actually review some games. Jesus. Uh, let's start with the team that I said was the most exciting in football to watch. Uh, that was the Detroit Lions, who uh, put up zero points against the New England Patriots, who put up 29. You this... managed to get catfished by Jared Goff. How do you feel? Uh, it's, it's Jamal Williams and that offensive line that really got me. The... <laughs> I was looking at the future of football. It was quite smash-mouthy, uh, and it just didn't quite happen this game. It didn't all come together well enough. Um, this pretty much was just what was like, this is why Bill Belichick is one of the best coaches in the league and of all time. You take a guy who's not expected to do anything in Bailey Zappi and you go, cool, we're just going to go win. You're going to put up 29 points. We're going to shut you out. We're going to make you attempt like every fourth down from uh, conversion from like late in the third onwards and stop you on all of them. And he just had Goff in his back pocket uh, Ramondre Stevenson, the star of the show for the Patriots, 175 yards in total. Damian Harris went down with an injury. So just be prepared for the next few weeks of Stevenson breaking out, doing everything that they want him to do. Uh, as I said, Bailey Zappi, solid game. Uh, I think no one's happier than him except maybe Colum uh, with that. And yeah, the, the Lions stifled not the one not the game that i was hoping to see uh we hope they bounce back to exciting status soon anything you want to know about this game i just want to say if we can get a zappy uh purdy super bowl i will die because my body will lose all fluid from the amount of (laughs) semen i will be just jesus fucking christ And if you're wondering why there was an awkward cut in there, it's because Colin made a semen joke. Oh, no, I'm leaving that whole thing in. <laughs> Including the silence after it. As oh. I now shell-shocked to try to walk you through this. Oh, sorry, I have to ask Colin. Uh, we, we're two we're through two games, one with zero points and one with three points. But was this Lions game your shellacking of the week? No, I forgot to mention that my shellacking of the week was the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers being utterly shellacked by the Bills. Tom, play that drop. Uh, Yeah, Seahawks at Saints next, and welcome to the Seahawks being watchable. Uh... (laughs) And the Saints being watchable. This was just a good old-fashioned uh, mudslinging contest between two teams that are going to be battling to stay around 500. The standout player from all regards was Taysom Hill, who had nine carries for 112 yards and three touchdowns and did honestly look unstoppable in certain parts. I think he busted out his second like 50-plus yard run of the year. Uh, he has just been weirdly electric. Uh, he's still listed as a tight end quarterback, even though he does most of his stuff in the running game these days. And yeah, he just sort of took over this game. Uh, Andy Dalton was eh. 
Geno Smith continues to make plays and I mean, he just looks at home in this offense. <laughs> it's the best he's ever looked. And I guess full credit to Pete Carroll on this one. Uh, Rashad Penny for the Seahawks was started off very strong, but he went down uh, with an injury, which looks to have ended his season. Uh, and you wait to see what happens further. Obviously, he's never really been able to live up to the, the billing of his first round pick. Uh, Kenneth Walker stepped in graciously and went 8 for 88 and a touchdown uh, yeah Geno Smith said the highlight plays were just two absolute pair drops to to Tyler Lockett for big touchdowns it, you would have if you were, if you were watching this game with the commentary off and you saw those touchdowns and you hadn't you know you'd woken up from a coma you'd still think Oh, Russell Wilson's playing for the Seahawks. The way he <laughs> snuck those balls in that window was just amazing. Um, on the other side, yeah, the Saints, they won it. But, like, these two teams aren't going anywhere fast. But they, they're they going to be feisty and fun to watch the rest of the way. Tom, anything to add on Geno Smith, who I know you are a big fan of right now? <laughs> yeah, I... I... I think I was the highest person on Geno Smith this offseason, and I think I was still about 5,000 levels too low on him for what he's produced this season. Um, the offense is obviously heavily reliant on the run, but he has made some of the best individual throws of any quarterback this season, and I like that cannot be debated. Um, his off-base stuff has been really good as well, which I didn't expect at all. Um, and I guess you look at the games that they've played this season. They put up 17 points week one against a good Broncos defense. They got absolutely lambasted by the 49ers, but they've done that to basically everyone they've played this season. And then 23 points against the Falcons, 48 against the Lions, and 32 against the Saints. Like, this offense is going to score points against you if you don't have a good defense. And I, I just don't think that's something we expected this season in any way, shape, or form. Also, Michael Dixon did the best fun- fake punt I've ever seen and lost eight yards on a rush. Um, <laughs> that that just needs to be mentioned in passing because what the fuck was that about? So the the breakdown of that is it wasn't a cold play, but he expected to be he received the ball like slightly offline and wanted to wanted to punt it, but then saw the guy coming for him, so he decided the best thing he could do is run rather than give up a blocked punt and potentially more points, which. It's a choice. Uh, <laughs> that feels like made. a bullshit description. I've got to say, like an but explanation. That was that was that was the the, the, the given reason uh, for for such a play. Um, right. Moving on. Uh, column Miami at the Jets in the wake of the Tyra. Uh, so the Tua Tagovailoa fallout. How was Teddy Bridgewater? <laughs> Irony. My name is Dolphin. Uh, um, Teddy Bridgewater has ruled out this game early for a concussion despite passing a concussion test uh, this is because of a new tour rule which means if you have any issues with balance or motor function we will assume you have a concussion anyway uh, to add in, uh, insults oh, sorry, to add to the insults uh, the Jets were given a safety for this po- uh, Teddy's supposed intentional grounding in the end zone I thought it was a very suspect call um, and I thought he was actually trying to throw to his running back um, but you know that was you know a, a mistake on what was an otherwise flawless day for the refs. 
Um, <laughs> Teddy going out, opened the door for Skylar Thompson. Don't bother remembering that name. He looked all the part of a seventh round rookie who expected to spend the entire season running the scout team. The Jets look decent, even if Zach Wilson isn't good enough yet to elevate this team. Uh, solid D and consistent run game is enough to beat teams with a third string QB. But the scoreline flattered them greatly. There were 21 unanswered points for them in the fourth quarter, uh, which helped pad the stat line thanks to things like turnover on downs and strip sacks, and the Dolphins, you know, basically just trying to play and you know throw for dear life to get back into the game, and as a result, turning the ball over back to the the Jets. The Jets may be good, but the Dolphins are definitely bad when Thompson is under centre. Um, this win means that for the first time since I think it's 2015, week 7 2015, uh, both teams that play at MetLife are now uh, with winning records, which is a, a positive result for New York City. New York City. New York City. New York City. Yeah, <laughs> any questions about this game? It was not fantastic to watch. No. Yeah, no. Also, no. Wonderful. Let's move on. Tom, you had the pleasure of watching the one-score Falcons versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I did indeed, and to nobody's surprise, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won, but only by a score. 21-15 in this one, where the... I I failed to find a heart attack sort of simile or... Um, some sort of connecting word with the Falcons, but like the cardiac kids these guys are, they scored all of their 15 points in the fourth quarter, whereas the Bucks scored all of their 21 in the second and third quarters. Brady looked hot and cold for long stretches, attempted 52 passes in this one. Um, Leonard Fournette struggled at picking up a yard and then would pick up six and then would struggle to pick up a yard in pretty consistent terms. Um, Rashad White got a little bit of tread, but not much. Uh, and leading the receiving this game was also Leonard Fournette. Um, Marcus Mariota continues to look not good, and yet also <laughs> extremely exciting at times. And I don't understand how it's possible. Um, the Bucks should have walked away with this one and let them let, let the Falcons in for kind of no real good reason. Um, the Buccaneers are the better team. Uh, the records suggest as much, but as I said earlier, this Bucks team is not the Bucks team of X number of years ago. Um, this game was salted away thanks to one of the most bullshit roughing the passer calls there has been in, well, about a few hours, basically. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that, that allowed the Buccaneers, I think it was on third down, it allowed them to continue the drive and basically put the clock away. Um, also in this game, Tom Brady kicked a defender and basically no one has brought it up. Well, interestingly enough, there were other people kicked in other games and maybe that was the more pertinent thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, these, these these two teams are exactly what we thought they would be. And, and it's not often we get to actually say that. Um, but this Bucks team has taken a step down on basically all levels. Um, Godwin is, he had six receptions for 61 yards in this, but he is being used basically as a decoy at the moment. I do expect that to change as he gets, you know, more acclimatized up to game speed, etc. But yeah, I, Colm, I know you have more than a few of these Atlanta Falcons running backs in our fantasy league. 
good luck starting either of them at any point and feeling confident about it because neither of them look very good and also they're both just splitting time and eventually Marcus Mario is going to carry a couple in as well thank you you're welcome (laughs) Uh, Colm if you have nothing to add we'll throw to you for the Titans at the Commanders sure Um, so this game came down to the last play and it ended on a, a pick six by Carson Wentz, who was trying to squeeze a ball into double coverage to J.D. McKissick. And I don't think it was a pick I six. Like... I think it was just an interception, wasn't it? Oh, apologies. It was a pick. Yeah, sorry, but killed the game was where my yes, head was sure, at. Sure. Um, it says a lot about these commanders that the game came down to Carson Wentz thrown to J.D. McKissick in the end zone. <laughs> How have you constructed a roster... Where that is the problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a it was a really weird game because the commanders were in it for a long time, but like their two touchdowns came on deep shots to Diane Brown, um, who I believe is a podcast favorite of yours, Brad, isn't he? Um, uh, not a favorite, but a guy I watched and went. Oh, Are you getting him confused with Jahan Dotson, Carl? No, I'm pretty sure he's a big fan of Brown when. Uh, last year in the draft wasn't he nope I watched some folks this year saw the Jeremy Brown and went that guy's good he should be in the league and then found out he already was Uh (laughs) Ah, there we go (laughs) yeah anyway two deep shots to him we counted for 14 of the 17 points the commanders put up um, and they just generally went three or four and out uh, for pretty much the rest of the game Uh, for the Titans they just really struggled to keep um, Tannehill up, right? He was constantly being chased and sacked and bothered by a very ferocious, um, you know, defensive line the commanders have. It reminded me a bit like what they were a couple years ago um, when we were talking just about how electric they were um, up front, and then last year they were kind of pretty crap. They're back to the old ways again. Um, but they very much just, you know... <laughs> Is very much um, game management mode from Tannehill and just grinding with uh, Henry, who I think had 28 carries. Um, and yeah, 28 carries for just over 100 yards. So, real slow day for them on offense. Just about got out ahead of the commanders and then managed to keep Wentz out of the end zone at the end. So, yeah, uh, 21 17 score. Not a fantastic one to watch. Yep, no, I think that's going to be the same for these two teams going forward. Um, cool. If on that case, then we will go to the what's the next game on the board? It is Houston versus Jacksonville, and yourself, Brad. Oh, lovely stuff. I'm totally ready for this. Uh, <laughs> this this was Houston thirteen, Jacksonville six. It was dare I say one of the more interesting. Uh, <laughs> 13 six games that you'll see <laughs> ever <laughs> i don't know how that statement feels well it sounds accurate but but it, it is um this was it was bizarre because the 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 texans really couldn't get anything going and the jags just kept shooting themselves in the foot when they had the momentum going their way uh, I took this one mainly to see how Trevor Lawrence is getting on. And the stats here definitely conceal how much he's developed. 
25 for 47, 286, and an interception. But he is just so much better than he was last year. And he's making big throws over the middle. He does find his open man. He bails out of some plays. Um, he, I say some because he did for a pretty egregious pick in the end zone when he could have just run it out of bounds or thrown it away. Uh, and overall, this, this Jags defense is just moving better with him. That being said, uh, it moves better, obviously, when it's being led via the James Robinson <laughs> rush game. Uh, but he was held to 10 carries for two hundred uh, for 27 yards. Travis Etienne was much more lively and involved in both sides of the game. As I say, the Jags played better than their stats, but they just have these stalling moments where they just drops, errant throws, stuffed runs, maybe not the ideal play call. Texans. Sorry, did you say the Houston Texans or the Denver Broncos? <laughs> I said the Jags. Uh, oh. The Texans, on the other hand, they're to their their own win condition. Run down the clock as much as they can and hope that they have the lead when it's gone. Uh, <laughs> Davis Mills is milk toast. He is like Justin Fields without the hope or promise. Uh, Damian Pierce is the focal point of the offense moving forward. He rushed 26 times for 99 yards, caught three passes for 14, and as mentioned... Uh, it was also I should have mentioned it was his one yard end zone dive that decided this game. Uh, the Texans join every other NFL team in having a win, but now go into their bye. The Jacksons head to Indianapolis, uh, which is bizarre to me that this matchup in the division is done and dusted by week six. Like that feels exceptionally early to just take off a divisional matchup. Did either of you catch this? <laughs> Any not the, not the whole thing. <laughs> I certainly saw a lot of clips from it. Um, Trevor Lawrence is getting a lot of um, advanced metric bashing at the moment, um, like EPA and things like that. Um, and I think PFF fucking hate him again. Um, and I just I'm not sure what people are seeing, and I'm not sure what people are expecting of him behind a sort of fine offensive line. And with, as we've mentioned, a, a cast of wide receivers who, again, are NFL players, but they are just about NFL players. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a bizarre one, uh, to say the least. <laughs> uh, I feel like they're going to light up the league next year and we're all going to be like, me, we're going to be like, <laughs> we told you so. Uh, and everyone else is going to be like, where did this come from? But it's there. The building blocks what, are there. What are you calling the Jags? Pixonville or something, right? Uh, yeah, because they keep picking off everyone else. So it was Pixonville. Yeah, is that how the Texans won this game? They just didn't throw it. And the Jags went, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> That's the pretty, other part of this pretty, game, isn't it? Pretty much. It's like, if we can't, if we can't win it that way, then uh, we can't win it at all. So, yeah, that's how it went down. Uh, Colm. We head to you for your final two games of the week. You had your 49ers against uh, the liberal agenda of the Carolina Panthers. First off, how did that go? Well, this is the game that got Matt Rule shit-canned, and it's not hard to see why when you watch this game. Um, <laughs> Jimmy G was able to pass the ball with little to no bother against a mediocre defense, while Baker was getting ragdolled trying to generate any life into the Panther offense. Which, to his credit, he sort of did by constantly checking down to Christian McCaffrey, who was able to uh, generate some decent yardage. Um, but the Panthers were down early and just never seemed like they were going to get back into this one. Baker threw a pick six to Emmanuel Mosley, which was Mosley's first ever pick six. 
and it must have been one of the happiest days of his life until the fourth quarter when he tore his ACL. Um, <laughs> oh, basically, can we please just throw out turf fields like the Panthers threw Matt Rule out this week? It's time to be done with turf. Yeah, 49ers won comfortably. Um, fire sale, I guess, now going on in the Panthers. We'll see. There's a lot of talk about who's going to bid for who. Or, you know... Panthers I think intent, personally, the the first bit of conversation was who is there to bid for? Uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey. I, but I don't get the Christian Burns. McCaffrey thing. Like, I I do not get it. I don't understand why. Like, what what's the team going to give you for him now? Like a second, maybe. Like, because the talk is, is apparently someone has reportedly knowledge inside the team that the Bills have offered or are interested in Christian McCaffrey. Like, like what are they actually offering? A two? Like, maybe? More likely a three or a four? Do you, are you really going to give that up when, you know, you, you are almost certainly drafting in the top three or four next season. You are almost certainly taking a quarterback. And so having at least someone out there as well as DJ Moore, like, that's going to make sense, isn't it? Yeah, but you're also it's paying like one paying and playing around like one of like just the least desirable positions in football right yeah but it's Can not it's not that bad come next year like his his cap his hit might be high but it's not like they can start moving it around yeah no it, it's not even about his contract i'm just purely on about like the position overall and with christian mccaffrey if you have a chance to cash in, should you do that knowing it's a history as well? And you go, right, you know what? It might be a late third rounder or a late second rounder, but we can build with that. And the Panthers need to do a lot of building because right now they don't really have an identity other than when Christian McCaffrey's on the field, we get him the ball. And so... Why not yeah, but that comes that with back. a quarterback, doesn't it? Like, how many times have we said that about a team and then they've got a quarterback and then they get an identity? Like, in fact, that's, that's what we said about the Jags earlier this season is that they've got a, they've got an identity now and largely that is in part because they have a quarterback. Now, that quarterback is still learning the position and is still being graded by some people as not playing very well, but they, they, they at least have a semblance of what they are as a team. And I think if you take McCaffrey away from whatever rookie QB it's going to be, like that, that QB is inevitably going to struggle more. And I, I just, I don't see the logic of it for some, you know, 50, 60 cents on the dollar type of type of player that if you need to move on from after next year or next year, but then at that point you might as well make the trade, like then it is no issue. I just, I don't, yeah. In the, last, in the last three years, in the last three seasons, including where we are right now, Christian McCaffrey has played 15 games. That's not sure. what you want. I say you can get something. Yeah, but he's played all five this season, hasn't he? Yeah, but you may get something for someone who's more than likely not going to be there. I, do, I, just, I, I don't understand the logic of it in terms of trying to build a friend and also trying to trying to bring in a head coach and granted there's 32 positions being a head coach is kind of its own pull but going into a team that has a roster that can at least somewhat compete like that 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 speaks to a lot more guys than just oh okay i better take this chance because it's the only chance i'm ever going to get and those guys like 
really do well anyway. So you want a roster that can actually... Like, what if they went and got Sean Payton? Now, granted, he's almost certainly ending up in Dallas, but fucking Mike McCarthy's got <laughs> Cooper Rush on a 4 and one tear, so who the fuck knows what's going on? Yeah, I, I just think it's one of those things where, personally from my side, it makes sense to just start, as Colin said, clearing house, fresh start, trying to do something rather than what the Panthers have tried to do now. Like, we lambast the Colts to where they are for basically just going out and getting every over the hill quarterback and thinking hey maybe one last ride in that you know in the tank and then you see what you know the panthers have done where it's like they've gone out got different quarterbacks just on a different age range and none of it's worked so i think this ownership does hasn't made a lot of logical decisions in the last two years so why not and hey if the bills are willing to pay you well for it or other teams willing to pay you well why not Especially when I think Carolina will be paying what most of them most of CMC's money. I think it's all all but like what six hundred thousand dollars. What this this, this year? year yeah, this but, year, but, yeah, but but yeah, next next year is cap. It'll be nineteen and a half mil. Like I just, I don't, I don't get it. I, I don't see it from a from a standpoint of of roster building and and actually putting you whoever the rookie QB because like they're going to get 36 mil off the cap between Darnold and Baker Mayfield next year that's that's a significant chunk oh that's not true because they're not paying Baker's full 18 are they they're only paying no. them a bit so they're going to get about 25 mil off the cap next year that's that's still that's a large amount of money that they can do anything they want with who knows who knows Cole Tom spoiled for you a little bit but Dallas at the Rams yeah, thanks for that, Tom. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, this was a game entirely about how much Dallas camped in the Rams' backfield. Uh, Stafford went down five times and was pressured a ton more than that, whereas Cooper Rush had to contend with Aaron Donald, but had a much easier life than Stafford. Uh, Rush is a game manager and not a scratch for QB that Dak is. The talk of keeping Dak over, oh, sorry, Rush over Dak is comical and cannot be taken seriously. The Cowboys got an early lead thanks to a fumble recovery and a blocked punt, but didn't really do much to sustain drives. Uh, but this is better than the Rams, who can only move the ball so long as Cooper Cup can beat triple coverage. Um, this was a comfortable Dallas win, despite their shoddy offense. Shout out to the best play of the day, when the Cowboys went for an extra point, but the holder wasn't ready for it, and the ball bounced off his face. It was very funny to watch. Um, if you accept everything we say on this podcast as guaranteed fact uh, mm-hmm. you will have been wrong about very many things but you'd have got the result of this game right because we have been calling these two teams pretty much to the T since week one yeah yeah like the the, the Rams the Rams right now are like a top 10 pick team right like they are not good I'm, I'm not saying they will end up there because they, they have too much talent but the yeah, way they yeah. are performing, like losing by it's, twelve points it's, to Cooper Rush, is difficult. Yeah, and it's the turnstile offense. It really is garbage what they're putting out there right now. So and the fact they've got no ever, run game. Look forward to whoever ends up with the Rams at the Panthers. Oh, sorry, the Panthers <laughs> at the Rams this weekend. That's going to be a, a true <laughs> barn burner. Uh, you know, I could talk myself into it. <laughs> Because Baker, Baker ain't starting, is he, for the Panthers? So it's fucking PJ Walker time. XFL legend, PFL, PFL Walker? PFL. Yeah, sure. 
TFL apparently. It's his league now. Um, speaking of two teams that we've kind of called for the most part this season to a T, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, squeaked by the Arizona Cardinals 20-17. to My notes for this one, and just for Philadelphia in general, watch the first half, get excited, and then ignore <laughs> everything they do in the second half and check only in on their opponent's drives. They Arizona were a missed field goal and sorry Matt Amendola but it yeah that's he's he's gonna get cut uh if he hasn't already uh missed a late field goal and I would have backed the Cardinals at that point to go on and win it the Eagles only managed two field goals in the second half uh which I think is still one of their better performing halves of the season (laughs) which is bizarre and the Cardinals didn't really deserve to be in it either these are just two like it's just a very stumbling bumbling offense that feels like this might change drastically when they get deandre hopkins back and you might be able to unleash marquise brown and rondale moore however you like depending on what hopkins comes back as but right now it's just sort of like i don't i don't want to watch it i don't like watching it they're trying some weird, like, Hydra-like approach to the running back position with James Conner, you know, Benjamin, and Dara Williams, and occasionally mixing stuff in with, like, Rondell Moore and Kyler. On the flip side, uh, the Eagles are pretty much just the Jalen Hurts experience. It's kind of fun. It's also kind of frustrating. Uh, he's not... He's developed a lot, but not as much as I think some people were willing to hype him up as when he's when the season started he still defaults to, to running a lot and yeah it's effective he ran for two touchdowns in this game um, but just not all both QB sneaks run. I think aren't they like yeah, they were both but, they were literally both one yard like plunges yeah but he's still like you know he still sneaks he says as a not at all bitter Miles Sanders fantasy <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you've got any of these players in fantasy, you're wondering what's going on. Uh, Devonta Smith, rather than AJ Brown, is the possession receiver for the Eagles, which, based on skill set and like size, just doesn't compute in my head, at least. Are uh, they playing him out of the slot a lot now, or not? Are they still just refusing to do that? I can't even remember. Okay. remember I'll, I'll look. I'll look it up later after the pod because I'm just always enamoured with him out of the slot. Yeah, um, he because is, I think he's basically unguardable from there, but it is what it is. He is just he just gets open, which is great, but it does feel like Hertz can't Hertz can only like service like one receiver and Dallas got it and then like it feels like if you can pick the week <laughs> you know, if you can pick the week of who he's gonna go to, you're gonna have a good week. Uh Eagles stay undefeated, as I say, just about I don't know how much longer it will carry on for they face the Cowboys this week, the Steelers next week, the Texans the week. Actually, looking at their schedule, they might go undefeated <laughs> into, until late November. Cowboys, Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Colts, and then the Packers. They they could slip up somewhere along the way they, there. I, but, and I think that's oh. the thing, right? Is This team has a slip up or two in them. And, and I think that's why they're not being talked about as an actual, you know, kind of locked-in Super Bowl contender because... You only have to slip up once in the playoffs, and obviously you're out of it. And I don't know how many picks Hertz has thrown. He obviously played that that game in the brutal weather last week, um, but he he hasn't had that killer three pick game. I don't think no, um, yet this he's season. Only, 
he's only thrown it 159 times for four touchdowns and two interceptions. So, so they're you, managing it. Yeah, like it, it, but but it feels like that game's going to come right, and I think that's what you were alluding to with like he hasn't progressed as much as people want to tell you that he has. Is you know that game is coming, and then they won't be able to just run him into the ground, and the defense won't be able to keep teeing off on quarterbacks, and like that's. That's going to be the issue game for him, and is it going to come next week against the pressure from the from the Cowboys, or um, you know, yeah. is Lady Luck going to smile on the Steelers and they're going to get some pressure on a you know who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Crazier things have happened. What, what I will say is everything you the layman says about Lamar Jackson <laughs> is true about Hurts is like it's just the yeah. Jackson is a lot better than what you hear, but Hurts is actually that that guy. What happens? I think. Injuries to uh, Jason Kelsey, Landon Dickinson, uh, just a brutal set of injuries might hinder them. But yeah, I think if you looked at their record and you looked at the teams they're against, you would, you would, for the rest of the way, you would say, right, there is probably, you should only really lose one game. And yet sure. I still feel like they're going to end up in a 14 and 4 position. <laughs> 14 and 4? Yeah. Right. No, because it's odd games now. <laughs> I was like, that would Four, be impressive. 40, oh, please, you gave the Colts two more weeks earlier on. So let's not forget where we were, right? That was included preseason games. No, there are 15 games in a season. <laughs> uh, Shall I go on to Sunday Night Football? Yes, please. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens outlasted the Cincinnati Bengals 19-17 thanks to the god that is Justin Tucker kicking the winning field goal. Um, for everything that you want to talk well about Lamar Jackson, he missed some pretty much layup touchdown throws in this game and yet was perhaps outdone in his futility by Joe Burrow. Um, Burrow in this Bengals offense just continues to sort of spiral towards mediocrity. Um, Joe Mixon, though averaging five and a half yards a carry, now has like 14 carries in the red zone and no touchdowns this season. He is just struggling to really convert and break tackles. His longest on the night was 12 yards. Um, Mark Andrews is the focal point of this pass offense, as it always was going to be. Um, but it was nice to see them do it something without Rashad Bateman, who hadn't become an integral part of the pass offense, but was that kind of extra big body option um, that everyone thought I'd say it likely was going to be. Um, it is difficult to really take much from these divisional games. Obviously, these two teams know each other so well by now. But yeah, going down the field um, like the Ravens did, kicking the winning field goal... They, they are the best team in the AFC North um, and it's good that the records have shone out this way but the winner in the North is probably the team that wins 9 or 10 games yeah no, no much more to, to, to add on this one Colm anything you wanted to add nah not really Lovely stuff. Uh, cool then we will move on to the most recent game uh, Monday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders versus the Kansas City Chiefs. This one, if if it's not this one, Colin, I, I hesitate to know which one it is. It may, may be the Saints Seahawks, but this was a certified bomb burner by my by my <laughs> professional opinion. The Raiders were up 17 to zip at one point in this and then the Chiefs just decided 
I guess, okay, let's get everything into gear. And you know, it was that moment last year where the Chiefs sort of like, they went behind or in games and they just never sort of like woke up, so to speak. You know, the offense never started really getting moving. This was like the inverse of that where they just decided, nah, we're good. And between the second and the third quarter, they just were able to steamroll uh, offensively and def- defense stepped up massively forcing punts and holding the radius to field goals and Tom you said this about the recently departed Matt Rule uh, when he faced the Chiefs in that first year of his he was smart enough to know that you can't you know that's not going to be enough to keep up with them and the Raiders did that early and then settled back into a, a more standard um, game plan and the Chiefs punished them for it uh, if I told you that Travis Kelsey had four touchdowns in this game, Tom, you didn't get to say this because I know you had it in fantasy, so Colm, I'll throw it to you. <laughs> four touchdowns. How many yards do you think he had? Uh, 186. 25. That's a bizarre uh, stat line. <laughs> that is like the Mike Tolbert of, of tight end stat lines. <laughs> um which was great for him. Uh, Volder Scantling came into his own a little bit in this one with six receptions for 90 yards. Uh, it's a weird running game that they have. Jerick McKinnon, Clyde edwards helaire and Isaiah Pacheco was actually held to only one carry this game, which was bizarre. Uh, on the other side of things, Josh Jacobs welcomed back to the NFL. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Josh Jacobs um, looks like the absolute argument for not taking an early round drafted running back in the NFL draft until you realize he was a first round draft pick. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy what's going on. Like he, but he's stepped up the same way that people expected Stephen Saquon. This is the Josh Jacobs that Tom was telling me about two years ago, and then <laughs> then, the, then the years happened. They started doing so weird like, shit with Kenyon Drake and things like that, and yeah. now it's like, oh no, wait, Josh Jacobs is really good. <laughs> He's uh, he's just he's literally a budget Nick Chubb, yeah. Like and, and which is a great running back, but yeah, that that's what he is. He's like the seventh best running back in the NFL, probably. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Darren Waller in this one. I'm not sure what happens a lot with the, the the Raiders receiving game. Definitely one I need to go back and pay a little bit more attention to. But... He injured his calf or his oh, okay. hamstring. He injured a leg muscle pretty early on, I think, as well. Uh, yeah, they keep trying to make Mac Hollins a thing. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Stop that! None of this, thank you. You're only allowed. You've already got three great receivers, and you know you're not allowed anymore. Stop trying to make him a thing. Uh, Devontae Adams, yeah, three receptions, 124 yards, 58 yard touchdown, uh, which was, as I said earlier on, they made this great call on fourth and one. They knew they'd get Adams in single coverage, and they just sent it deep, and it went. You know, it was an absolute uh, amazing. Uh, play and design from them uh, excuse overall. me De- Devontae Adams three receptions 124 yards two touchdowns and one assault and battery charge I, I was going to get to that uh, <laughs> you know still recovering uh, yeah I was going to get to that um, the two most notable things from the game uh, <laughs> one was what uh, Devontae Adams did after the game uh, where he shoved the TMZ reporter who it has been confirmed, thankfully, uh, suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, he's already filed a lawsuit against uh, Devontae Adams, I believe, and will press charges, so congrats on the payday. Uh, 
something there to really just keep it to Microsoft tablets. We found out that those are fine for the most part if you destroy those. Uh, and then the other one, and perhaps the most egregious bad ref call of the weekend is uh, the fact that um, oh, I forgot the name of the bloody player now. Uh, <laughs> uh, who was it? It was Chris Jones. Chris Jones was called uh, on a roughing the passer penalty when he had the ball in his hands. <laughs> Which it, it's just insane. Like there's no, there was no, it was nowhere for him to go. You know, he he just, I think he just sat car and forced the fumble and like he had the ball and they were like, yeah, that's roughing the passer, and it was bullshit. And the Chiefs fans <laughs> let them know it. Arrowhead Stadium went into, you know, nuclear heat mode. And these refs, man, they are just, they are just trying to fuck on the league. Like at some point, like it's just getting. It, it's a, it's egregious and this penalty needs to be cleared up and I'd, because it's just becoming like the old uh DPI uh challenge flag situation the penalties are so egregious it's just like what do we do you know like we need someone to step in and sort this out because if this goes it, to the it really playoffs, does look like they've hurt themselves more than helped themselves with the uh landing with a full force on a quarterback like it feels like that's that's what's caused the issues recently um, and I don't know how you get around it because I understand what they're trying to do with that rule, but it, yeah, like if you're running full pelt at a quarterback and you have a quarterback that's releasing the ball in three and a half seconds, you are paid to tackle that man, and so you can't exactly slow down and go, well, I didn't want to give a penalty, or you know, I, it's just that. It's, it's that rule, I think, that stipulation that's really hurting things at the moment. Yeah, and they seem to be giving it for, for absolutely anything and anything. And it's just... It's just sapping the fun out of... Like, we already know... <laughs> we already know it's bad enough feeling, right? You see a big play, and you see people looking around for flags and going, right, well, the QB was up right there for more than six seconds, so when's the holding flag coming in? Or, you know, you see a play go deep and the receiver can't get to it. And then you look over to the line judge and you're like, cool, when's the DPI coming in? And now you've got that on a sack. You've got people turning around and going, okay, does the sack count? Like, what am I supposed to do? And it's just, it, it yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. And if this happens in the playoffs, you just will invite so much more controversy into the game when it just doesn't need to be there Colin did you catch any of this anything that you wanted to know or add no I missed the game unfortunately so that was all new information to me <laughs> well you'll enjoy it when you go back and watch it again uh, cool do we want to do the game draft now or do we want to do that yeah time? go on let's get it let's get it done cool that's uh, Tom's way of telling you that he's first over on the game draft pick board this week uh, so Tom, uh, we should note that the bye weeks have started up. The Lions, the Titans, the Raiders, and the Texans are all on their bye week, so there will be two less games than usual. Uh, Tom, take us through there. Your first pick. Uh, first pick, New York Giants. Give me the Ravens at New York. Oh. <laughs> okay. Tom is looking for some MetLife injuries. He's <laughs> which big player is going to get hurt, Tom? <laughs> Colin, you make that noise, and then look at the rest of the slate. There ain't much more there. 
Uh, there's two absolute crackers I'm trying to choose between here. <laughs> Give me more Josh Allen. I will take Buffalo at Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. good luck listening to Sky commentators, mate. I love how you said there's not much else, and then Colm's like, yeah, two uh, AFC Championship candidates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, I'll take two going back the other way. Give me... Give me the Bengals at the Saints. That feels like it's just going to be a silly amount of fun. Uh, and then I'll take Dallas at Philadelphia. Because we'll yeah, only have to watch shout. the first half. <laughs> uh, cool. Colin, back to you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it hit that funky period again, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll take Thursday Night Football because I can watch it. Wow. <laughs> As a person that did that last week, not a good idea. <laughs> In fact, I meant to say, um, I didn't watch that until today and Brad watched it live. And what uh, did I do to you, Brad, to deserve <laughs> to have to, like, for you not to say it's okay, I'll take this one? Uh, well, I only watched the first half and then it turned out that cured insomnia. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was frustrating. Shout out to, to Jamie who said, I'm going to turn this off, came back five minutes later and then watched the whole thing through to Overtime Plus, which was just... And then stayed up the whole next day. I can imagine fueled only by Red Bull and hatred. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> the Columns take um, Washington at the Bears, which is, you know, it'll be a quick game <laughs> if they, if they uh, don't fill it up with ads and TV timeouts. I'm going to take... Arizona at Seattle. I like it. I like it. Um, and give me Monday Night Football. <laughs> give me Denver at the Chargers. I will not put these Denver Broncos down. Okay, Tom's committed to his bad life choices. Colin? Wild stuff. Um, <laughs> I was hoping someone else would take the 49ers this week, but I don't like much else of what's there. <laughs> I'm happy to step in and take them for you. Go on then, I'll take uh, Jags at Colts. Oh, actually, I like that game. It's weirdly in the same way as Tom, I can't give up on the Colts. Uh, yeah, I'll take the 49ers at the Falcons. And then... Uh... Oh, lordy. You know what? Nah. Give me a Bill Belichick revenge game. Uh, <laughs> Patriots at the Browns. <laughs> I don't think that counts as a revenge game. Anymore. <laughs> I think I think it stopped being a revenge game about twenty years ago. <laughs> um, it's Colin first. Have... Okay, all right. <laughs> Colin, you get to, uh, to pick a game. Well, I steadfastly refuse to watch Green Bay or the Panthers again. <laughs> so, I'll take Vikings Dolphins please done Tom two to you uh, I'm going to take Tampa at Pittsburgh <laughs> surprise surprise and New York at Green Bay and so tough. despite me not wanting three 6pm games I've managed to get them <laughs> and that leaves Colum with Carolina <laughs> at the Rams the team he just said he doesn't want to watch again so enjoy Colum Fuck you both. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. Have a nice evening.
So that brings us to the end of this episode of the And The Kick Is Good podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you wish to follow us on Twitter, it's at The Kick Is Up. But until next week, it's goodbye from me. Giants at the Super Bowl, baby. Love you. <laughs>